Hey everybody, welcome back to JMAC Tries Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Today is episode number 30, and you're in for a good one. This is my conversation with Dr. Alan Lim of Scratch Labs. So excited to have had the chance to talk to Alan. Um, just a great guy. Love their products, love his company, and um, I've been a Scratch user for many, many years as a longtime triathlete, and just this past year became a Scratch ambassador, which has been great because I've had opportunities to try more of their products um, from their not only their hydration mix, but the recovery drink to their gummies and their bars and everything in between. So when I reached out to the guys at Scratch to get Alan on my show, he quickly said yes. And as you could tell from our conversation, he just has an awesome personality, loves talk, loves tell a story, and it's a great story. And I hope you'll enjoy it. So if you're not following Alan and Scratch, you can find them on Instagram at Scratch Labs. Follow Alan at Alan Scratch. And for more information um, on their product, it's scratchlabs.com. So before we get into the show, I just wanted to say thank you to Zane Cycles for supporting my show and my triathlon season. You know how to follow them uh, at Zane Cycles or Zanes.com. All right, everybody. And also want to thank y'all, every single one of you, for uh, connecting with me on Instagram and social and sharing my show and giving me the five stars and the great ratings. So uh, it's been a fun journey and hope to continue it going forward. All right, enough about me. Without further ado, Dr. Alan Lim of Scratch Labs. Hello, Alan. Whoa, technology. It works sometimes and right now it worked. That's right, that's right. That's We're right. going with it. Are we in the part of the podcast where you're done talking in the <laughs> intro part? Wow, you didn't even give me three seconds to yeah. introduce you. So you just busted my balls. Like whatever, and now they're actually talking, like listening to us. <laughs> yeah. No, they're going to listen to you. They don't want to hear about me. That's why I have to put my ramble in the beginning. Fantastic. <sighs> but after talking with you, I am going to change my ramble. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get into it. Just get into it. Ask me a question. Wow, that's how we're going. We're just going right in, digging in. You have to ask me anything you want. Oh, cool. Okay, I want to know, do you have your rice cooker t-shirt on? Uh, no, I have a Ride the Rockies t-shirt on. Okay. That's Ride a pretty cool Rock. t-shirt, too. No nipple poke through on that t-shirt. <laughs> Level three. It's a good t-shirt. Level three. Tell, tell me about, tell me the backstory with your rice cooker t-shirt, because that kind of gives a story of who you are and how you got yeah. into this mess okay, yeah so some people get confused but all of my parts are from china um <laughs> i was made in the philippines so i'm caught in between cultures right there and there uh my parent my family's history is that we've always been running away from shit you know the japanese invasion of china the communist revolution the cultural revolution Ferdinand marcos buying all these shoes for his wife all this bullshit around the planet <laughs> So we came to Los Angeles, we immigrated, and, um, you know, I grew up with a lot of strong cultural heritage. I grew up in a very um, in a very kind of ethnocentric way, right, in a way that was founded on culture, not necessarily founded on technology. But I grew up in this technological world, and I ended up getting my PhD in exercise physiology, went off to the pro cycling tour, and when I was on the pro cycling tour, I realized that the bottleneck was not the science per se. It wasn't the wind tunnel time or whether or not, you know, we had a stiffer bicycle frame or yada, yada, yada. It was that 
most of these athletes being Americans and now living abroad in Europe at a very young age were disconnected from their core friends and family. There was this lost connection that created a lot of loneliness and a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. Um, you know, your basic run of the mill homesickness. And while I think a lot of people see that as maybe a pathology, it was a normal response to the high stress, high pressure and the distance that we were all experiencing. Um, you know, so I started kind of taking this, this, this stand of, well, let's create connection amongst ourselves. Let's have family dinners. Let's make great food for the team. Let's find ways to create our own community here. And, you know, through that process, I started paying more attention to what the athletes were actually asking for. And then they were not asking for more dry energy bars. They were not asking for more gels. You know, they were not more spaghetti dinners. Yeah. They were like, Hey dude, I want a sports drink that is like extra fluorescent orange. You know, Um, those weren't the things they were asking for. They were asking for real food and they were complaining that a lot of the sports nutrition we gave them made them feel sick. And so I, you know, kind of started recalling my own childhood memories that I ate a lot of real food when I grew up racing bicycles. You know, I'd go to these little bakery shops in Chinatown with my parents and we'd buy little rice cakes and different types of portable snacks that I would take on my rides. And they were always so delicious and they always made me happy. And that was the stuff I wanted to be eating anyway. So I called my mom up, you know, got a bunch of old recipes and started to try to recreate these little sushi rice cakes type recipes you know japanese call it ornaguri the chinese might call it zongzi um and so i started traveling the pro tour with a rice cooker and the athletes really loved uh these freshly made rice cakes that i would do every morning um, even though it was a total pain in the ass like i hated doing it and none of the swan years none of the other staffers wanted to do it because they're like dude this is your show you're fucking with our system you're making us do more work than we want to if you want to make these stupid rice cakes then you're gonna to have to do them yourself and so i did because i was like all right well go fuck yourself like aren't we here to make the athletes better aren't we here to actually try to take care of themselves but you know i think a lot of people didn't necessarily appreciate the change that i was uh, trying to create the athletes did because they were on the receiving end of it but there's a lot of work that goes into taking care of athletes on a pro cycling team um, and what ended up happening was a lot of the staffers, um, you know, give me a lot of shit for it. And, you know, I was working in an environment that, um, was pretty, you know, for lack of a better description, pretty, pretty monocultural, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a lot of diversity. It's pretty Anglo. Um, and I was just weird Chinese kid making rice in France where, you know, pasta and bread dominate. Uh, and I started to have people started not just giving me shit and, and kind of uh, all these racial slurs and whatnot. But one season I actually had almost a dozen rice cookers stolen from me. Um, it's kind of a message like you don't belong here. You're, you're a fucking China man, which, you know, is what they would say to my face as well at times. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not always fun when you're at a bike race and people are making Kung Fu sounds at you, you know? And what year was this, Alan? Uh, you know, this spanned all the way through, uh, it's interesting because it spanned from about 2005 all the way through, you know, 2011 ish. Um, but you know, most of the shit that I got was in 2010, 
uh, when I went from uh, the Slipstream organization to the Radio Shack organization. Um, it was interesting, you know. So long story short, I, I made this T-shirt for myself. It was a picture of me with a rice cooker that said, this is my rice cooker. And, um, you know, I made it kind of as an ode to that, that period of my life. Um, I made it uh, because the rice cooker had become a symbol of my, a symbol of resistance for me. It had become kind of my tool for the fight that I was fighting. It became, uh, the rice cooker became a way for me to accept my own cultural heritage, to be proud of that cultural heritage, and to uh, tell people that they could go fuck themselves. Um, because I really did believe that there had to be a balance in sport. Uh, between the ethnocentric and the technocentric there had to be a balance between you know what works from a very humanistic standpoint what hurt works from a you know you could even say a hedonistic standpoint but what also works from a rational standpoint and cooking food from scratch for the athletes was a lot more work but it was both rational and it was hedonistic right yeah and i think it's interesting that so the athletes bought into what you were telling them but it was more the organization around you that didn't want any part of it It wasn't the organization it was it was people who were resistant to change it was people who you know weren't ready for the fact that i was different right um the organization was great the athletes were great and the athletes didn't buy into it they ate into it right right Um, yes good point or you know maybe better they didn't shit out of it Mm-hmm. Um, because the worst thing that can happen when you're an endurance athlete is to have GI distress, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how I found scratch in your company through your cookbook, the feed zone cookbook. That's right. Yeah. With Chef Bijou Thomas. Yeah. Now tell me, did that come out right around the same time? I, I didn't even look at the data on that. Yeah. We effectively launched, um, the cookbooks in November of 2011, November, December of 2011, and we launched Scratch Labs in February of 2012. So they they kind of happened at the same time. I was already selling a drink mix under the, the the name Secret Drink Mix, and Secret Drink Mix was you know kind of just shits and giggles, fun fun and games. Uh, all the athletes who had been asking me to to make the sports drink that I had made for them on the pro cycling tour were athletes that couldn't say that they were using our drink. They were using it in secret because their, you know, other sports drinks or conventional sports drinks were making them sick. Um, so for a while, we were just selling, you know, what is effectively the sports hydration mix from Scratch Labs as secret drink mix. Um, that was in 2011. But uh, as soon as the book came out, we knew that we had a platform to talk about literally cooking and eating from scratch, Right. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one thing to call your company Scratch Labs and push forth this belief that food and drink is better from scratch when you're not also encouraging people to get in their kitchen and, you know, l- learn the life skill of cooking and sharing food with their families. And so we knew that by combining the sports drink, which is a really simple, you know, all natural sports drink with the cookbooks was a, was a great way to get this more holistic message about sports nutrition out there. And before we get into the scratch as a company, go back for a second. So one, I think I was pulling off 
beginning of the cookbook yeah. that I, I have in my kitchen and I, I wanted to reread the intro again. Sure. Um, so, you know, not, no offense, but long intro, that thing is like 20 pages of long intro. I got shit to say, man. You got shit to say too, you know, like, but the thing is, is like, I can, you can just go to the recipe. You don't have to read the intro. I bet if you, you read the intro because there's some great information and the whole point is not just the recipes, but it's the philosophy, the ideas, the encouragement, the inspiration. <laughs> no, and totally. And and I think the beginning of your cookbook is probably that could have been a whole separate book in and of, of itself. Yeah, it could have been a book by itself. And and I realized that a lot of the content, especially in the intros of both Feed Zone, Feed Zone Portables and Feed Zone Table could have been their own books. And you know, sometimes I, I think about blowing those out into their own book because there are some important messages and, and maybe some messages that aren't conventional, right? Like if you want to lose weight, maybe you need to be hungry sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and I agree with it. And I think that so I, I that the best part of that book besides the recipes is the beginning. And one of the coolest quotes that I pulled from it was um, you were quoted as saying, I was speaking the wrong language. I wasn't a chef or a dietitian. Yeah. Right. So, you, so your background is what, what's your Ph.D. in integrative physiology? Yeah. So I have my Ph.D. from the Department of Integrative Physiology at the University of Cal- Colorado uh, from the Applied Exercise Science Laboratory under the direction of Dr. William Burns. Wow. That's how I'm supposed that to That sounds impressive. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so here you are. You're on this tour and you're there's these 20 something year old cyclists. Yeah. And. They don't want to hear anything about, you know, AD, ATP or synthesis or blah, blah, blah. They want to, like, eat something that's going to help them yeah. feel their body for 21 days right. or whatever they're doing. Yeah, they, they, they want to feel good. They don't want to throw up. They don't want to shit themselves. They want to perform. Yep. Right? So so you took your background and, and, then, in your, and then you've been farther back in your life with your mom's cooking and combined the two. That's right. And that's where you came up with a lot of these, this food. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, people would say like, you know, hey, what's special about white rice? And, you know, what are all the, the benefits? And they wanted me to deconstruct white rice. And I'd look at them and I'd be just like, dude, like, look at me. Like, <laughs> who do you think I am? You know, like, yes, I'm more than happy to deconstruct this this kernel of rice for you in, in every way possible but the reason why we're using rice is because this is what i grew up eating and this is what i know how to cook right <laughs> if i was italian maybe we would have yeah. done this with you know with risotto maybe we would have done this with with ravioli maybe it'd be like the ravioli cake right instead of the rice cake well, that's like, yeah, if I did this and I call my mom, it would be, yes, exactly, the ravioli cake. <laughs> that's right. You know, if, if my mom was Polish, maybe it would be the pierogi cake. I don't know. Um, but to your point, the, the guys in the tour loved it and yeah. they kept wanting more. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is you had to make it simple. I had to make it really simple because I had to do it every morning and it had to be understandable. And it had, most importantly, it had to taste great. I mean, yeah. you know, you, eating starts to become a, a job when you're in a grand tour. And if you actually really get excited about the food and there's a satiation that occurs, uh, holy cow, you know, um, that's that's a big success. Yes. Yeah, so so you're making it you're making good food. You're all 
guys are getting together the, the night before you're sitting around the table, you're eating great food. It's easy to bring with them yeah. um, the next day. And then I love, so I know you, you kind of talked a little bit about the drink mix, but you were literally crushing fruit in the back of the van and, and putting it into drinks. Initially what we were doing was we were just diluting out the sports drink, but when you dilute out a sports drink, you also dilute out the electrolyte, primarily the sodium that you lose in your sweat. So you're not replacing what you're losing. Um, it's kind of that simple. Uh, so we were, you know, almost every athlete I knew at the time and that I know now they often dilute their sports drinks. And so we were just adding back salt. Um, from there, it got a little more sophisticated as we started realizing, well, you know, there are different forms of sodium we could use, you know, sodium citrate, which is sodium bound to deacidified fruit acid is a lot easier on the stomach than sodium chloride. And when we realized that replacing, not replacing chloride didn't have any negative effects on performance. And we knew that sodium was really the primary electrolyte we had to focus on. Well, then we started, you know, making it with sodium citrate, um, lowering the sugar, adding that type of salt. Um, and then to get flavor at first, I was like, Oh, let's just use fucking Kool-Aid, you know, like <laughs> whatever, who cares? Like, let's just make this simple. But there was this flavor fatigue component that would happen when you did that, where these natural or artificial flavoring agents, which have the same chemical structure as whatever, you know, is in strawberry that makes strawberry taste like strawberry, they would linger and they were, they were almost too powerful. And so while not a big deal, if you're having, you know, two or three servings, it's a big deal if you're having 15 to 20 servings over five hours, right? You start to get this real flavor fatigue. You start to get really burnt on the drink. And so there was this epiphany that um, if we just use freeze-dried fruit and we use the whole food to create the flavor, not only were we getting the nutritional benefits of the whole fruit, we're getting all the, you know, phytochemicals um, associated with that real fruit. We are also getting a little bit of flavor that would wash away really clean, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, we weren't crushing fruit per se. We were just buying uh, freeze-dried fruit on Amazon. <laughs> Gosh, okay. <laughs> Um, and then, and then these guys were literally dumping out their other sports drinks that they were sponsored by and throwing your, your secret sauce in there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess where their swan years were, or their staffers were, and you know, um, we weren't trying to harm anyone by, by doing so we were just trying to help our athletes. And so they were all very discreet about the fact that, um, you know, they were using something else. And so where was the aha moment where you're like, I could actually make a living off of this and, and bring it to the masses? Well, I think the aha moment wasn't really aha. Uh, I mean, it's not so much aha. It's like, holy shit. It was a holy shit moment. Okay. And the holy shit moment was other people had been telling me that this could become a business and I didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And I was told that, hey, look, if I just sold all my intellectual property and just gave away all the formulas that... I'd be a millionaire and I could just walk away from the whole thing. And that seemed good for me because I don't identify as an entrepreneur. I don't identify as a business person. I identify as a sports physiologist and as a coach. And so I got this contract from a company that they told me they were going to make me a millionaire. They wanted to buy all these, all these recipes and formulas. They sent me a contract. I couldn't understand any of it. I, I could understand some of it, but what was missing was, the line that said, you are now a millionaire, please sign here. So <laughs> I hired an intellectual property lawyer who reviewed the contract for me. And we met in an outdoor cafe 
here in Boulder, Colorado, called Spruce Confections. We're sitting outside, and as he's reviewing this contract with me, a bird flies overhead and shits on the contract. Come on. Yeah, no, no joke. Like, the, that, that bird shit's real. Um, and I realized, like, wow, that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a strange little omen. I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> Maybe it's not even an omen. I just thought it was so funny that I decided, geez, this is, this is the beginning of a great story if I don't sign this contract. And so I didn't sign the contract and, um, you know, Scratch Lab started because of a magical bird poop. That's, that, so that should be your logo, bird poop. Yeah, yeah, magic. Yeah. <laughs> magic bird poop. So, okay, so, so you, you don't have an entre- you're not really an entrepreneur, so to speak. You don't really have a business background. No, but you but know what I am? This... I'm an immigrant. And uh-huh. every immigrant I know understands how to hustle. Amen. Right. Yes. Hundred percent. Amen. That's it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm none of those things, but um, you know, I am an immigrant, and and you learn how to get shit done when your back is against the wall. Yeah, and 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 I hundred percent agree with you, and that's awesome. Yeah. So you, so you, so you kind of so the first product you guys put out there for scratch was the. Was the electrolyte yeah, drink? Yeah, was our we called it back then our exercise hydration drink mix because it was for exercise and sweating. We could have called it, you know, uh, push mower juice. You know, <laughs> like I mean, if you ever like mowed a huge lawn with a push mower, you sweat your ass off. Yeah. yeah. But so I mean, so that's a great question. So were you were you did you want to market it to the endurance athletes or just to the masses to the to the guy cutting his grass on a Saturday or did you not care? No, yeah, we were specifically at the time focused on cycling. Uh, today mm-hmm. we're specifically focused on solving nutrition problems for endurance athletes, right? And so our niche has kind of gotten bigger. Uh, we've gone from cyclists to, generally speaking, endurance athletes. But what's interesting is that there are many sports that wouldn't identify themselves as endurance sports that have the same physiological demands, you know, as endurance athletes. A good example might be a NASCAR driver, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're sweating a ton in their cars. And so, you know, for the duration, uh, their hydration needs are similar or greater than endurance athletes. Um, you know, not to be facetious, but the the guy mowing his lawn on a, a hot and humid day in Alabama probably is losing as much fluid as somebody who is, you know, running a marathon, right? Yeah. Um, and so what we have found is that we have found ourselves entering little niches because people understand that we're a better alternative to uh, neon colored sports drinks but you know right now we stay very very specific on our core niche which is nutrition problems faced by endurance athletes yeah and i think that's so i started so when i bought the cookbook a bunch of years ago started becoming a scratch user and then fast forward to today as a scratch ambassador full expl- full disclosure um but it's because i bought into your product but you've not really changed it that much i mean you've changed it a little you've tweaked it for the better but you you've not tried to come out with now it's even better and that last year sucked and this one's even better this year it's yeah you kind of stayed true to your yeah so the company is six years old and we've gone through probably four formula changes on our sports drink 
And what happens is, is I learn more and, you know, we get feedback from athletes and we do more testing. We make small changes that continuously improve the product, but we don't feel a need to, to, you know, get on the bullhorn and um, start talking about it because each of those changes is very, very small and very, very incremental. Right. And I think that that's, you know, how we as individuals get better. We make those changes in such a slow and subtle way that maybe we don't even ourselves uh, realize that we've become better. We, we reach a new baseline and continue to strive for more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just some, some kudos to you guys and keeping it real and doing that. You know, the thing that pisses me off in our sport is, you know, you find a good pair of sneakers you like, yeah. and then two, two years later, they change it completely. Yeah. I'm like, no, but it was good. It was good originally. Just keep it the That's same. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And in so much that we use real fruit for flavor, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, um, we don't have a Labrador. We're not trying to make a better apple. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So there you go. And I think, and so let's stay on that for a second. So your recovery drink, which by the way, the chocolate recovery drink yeah. is absolutely bananas. I, I can't oh. like drink enough Don't of it. Don't you love when chocolate is actually bananas? Well, that yeah, right. So that you can even blend it in a banana with a banana yeah, and make a nice smoothie afterwards. But I read, um, and again, y- your website is awesome because you could read all the background on your thinking and kind of get into your crazy brain. Yeah. Um, and I say that in a in a positive way. Sure, sure. Um, but something you you mentioned, you just said it about you can't make a better strawberry. And I think yeah. in the your in the writing about the recovery drink is you basically try to look at all different proteins. Yeah. And and you said, you know what, I just we can't make a better cow protein. Yeah, right. That's right. So so why are we going to try and change nature and, and build it? Yeah, exactly. Why 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 do we think that there's maybe a better way uh, to casting ratio that it does isn't already found in you know animal milk, whether it, that's that's human, rat, or cow. And, you know, while we understand that a lot of our customers are vegan and that this is not an mm-hmm. appropriate product for them, this was a, a, a way to get 80% of the way there for most of our customers and to give us time, you know, to start thinking about how we could actually do this better for somebody who has um, a dairy allergy or somebody who's vegan, right? Um, it got us started. It didn't mean that, that, that we're ignoring those other needs or those other problems, but, you know, if we were going to take a first stab at it, that was, I think, the best first stab. Yeah, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything you put out, taste is very important. Oh, my gosh, it's everything, right? I think that, oh, okay. that you can have your cake and eat it too, meaning that um, while in the reductionist point of view, uh, you would just care about the macronutrients and the mineral content and the you know, antioxidants and the different, you know, phytochemicals and, you know, this molecular pathway versus that molecular pathway in the emergent philosophy, which is this idea that the whole is greater than some of its part. You got to really think about whether or not you want to put it in your mouth, right? <laughs> you got to really think about whether or not it gives you a joy or a pleasure. And the thing is, is that for me, I think that I don't want to eat anything just because it's supposed to help me perform. I want to eat something because I enjoy it and it's also helping me to perform. Um, I think that they can go hand in hand. And I think biologically our hedonistic response, which is the idea that if we're thirsty, we drink, if we're hungry, we eat, if we're sleepy, we're tired. 
You know, if we're cold, we put on a jacket, right? Or start a fire. Um, I think that all those responses are evolved to tell us if something is good or bad for us, right? And so when we eat something that, it, that gives us great pleasure, in particular in the context of, of strenuous physical activity, we're on the right yeah. track. When we start to give into our hedonism and we're sitting on the couch playing video games, that's when we self-destruct. Yeah, and as endurance athletes, because that's what my most of my listeners are all about, or the ones that actually make it through the intro and listen to <laughs> the actual podcast. Yeah, they, um, yeah, you know, if we're out there doing an Ironman or whatever, and you're you're four hours in and you're eating crappy chews or drinking something that's just disgusting, yeah. then you're you're you just implode. Yeah, you do. Um, and, and so I'm going to go one step further. Your freaking energy chews are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I so I just I just got the, my first order a couple weeks ago about a month ago. Yeah. I was going out for a run. I'm like, I'll just pop a couple of them to try them. Yeah. I ate the whole freaking bag oh, that's awesome. because, the, but it was just, but it wasn't. They weren't chalky. Yeah. They were enjoyable, yeah. and they did what as promised. Yeah. So, um, and you guys just come out with a new a new flavor. Yeah, right. Yep. That's right. That's right. The matcha lemon, not the Fu Manchu. Yeah. Uh, that's that's my <laughs> facial hair. Uh, my facial hair is not a flavor of our energy chews. Um, that was yeah, I saw that one. That was good. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, matcha lemon. It's it's delicious. Um, and you know, I've always been a fan of matcha tea. There's some great uh, benefits nutritionally of matcha green tea because it's the whole entire leaf. Um, it's not uh, brewed tea. And we basically dry out the leaf and turn it into a powder and put it in our chews. We also have a drink mix with matcha in it as well. Uh, you know, while the amount of matcha is probably uh, small, it does, I think, give a nice flavor note. Um, and why not use something real to create some nutritional benefit and flavor rather than something artificial or, you know, deconstructed? Well, again, right, you're going back to nature and just breaking down what's already there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we're, we're, we think of, you know, these products not just from a scientific perspective, but we think about them from a, from a foodie or a recipe perspective, right? Like what actually tastes good. And, you know, we decided to make energy chews because um, Taylor Finney, who's an athlete that, that I'm really good friends with, he had these, he had these uh, vitamin gummies. And mm -hmm. he's like, dude, you want a vitamin gummy? And I was like, yeah, give me a vitamin gummy. And I had this vitamin gummy and I was like, dude, this vitamin gummy is so much better than like 90% of the chews out there. And it pissed me off. Like, you know, like why is a vitamin gummy that a kid eats better tasting than like most of the energy chews on the market? And so we got pissed and started working, working on our own. That's awesome. So not to give me the secret sauce, but what's, what's kind of next is, or what's a, an, can you kind of comment on an area you guys are thinking of Let going Let me tell down, you something. Or? When you go to bed at night and you lay your, your head on your pillow and you start to dream those sweet dreams, that's what's next. Everything it. that you could possibly dream of. Okay. Um, yeah, we want to continue to solve problems. We, we continue to get our, our, our feedback and our cues from our customers, um, not from what is trendy. And so if you're a customer and you've asked for it, we're probably working on it. 
Um, and that's, that's, that's the reality. You know, I mean, someone posted on uh, my Insta the other day about a new flavor of recovery drink. And I was like, okay, let's do it. I got some samples now, like we're doing it, you know? Uh, so we want to continue to fill out the pantry of what endurance athletes need when they're out in the field. Um, this includes, you know, prepackaged products, but this also includes, you know, more information, more knowledge. Um, so I'm continuing to think about content and, and both on the recipe side, but also now more on the training and exercise physiology side, because what's interesting, at least from the perspective of our customer service team is we get probably as many training questions sent to our customer service team as we do product questions. They're like, Hey, we're, I'm using your energy choose, but by the way, if you were training for a marathon, blah, 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 (laughs) right. What would you do? And so I feel a lot, a lot of those questions as well. And we realize that there might be, it might be fun to put out some, some more content there. Well, that probably, and that's going to, that, co- that goes to my last point I wanted to, wanted to talk about was your Ask Alan yeah. uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get a, a, a lot of humor and uh, <laughs> a lot of, um, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. And, uh, but a lot of great, just in quick information, like yeah. three to five minutes long. That's right. And the first one is sugar bad for athletes. Yeah. I mean, that was great. Yeah. 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 It's pretty funny, right? Um, yeah. Is sugar bad for athletes? Yeah, probably. I think is what I, what I said. Yeah, I mean, you were straight up. You're like, yeah, it's like anything is bad. If you eat too much of it, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it's also bad if it's not in the right context. So if you're consuming a lot of processed sugars as part of your diet in lieu of whole foods, that's for sure bad because what what are you not getting in? But then in the context of physical activity, when you need a simple way to keep yourself fueled that doesn't 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 hurt you, right? Uh, sugar is a great solution. And it creates a, the backbone for performance, but it creates the backbone for performance for endurance athletes. Um, and that's the whole point is we're, 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 we're animals that are created for activity, right? And when we, when we pull that component out, all of a sudden, a lot of foods that might be beneficial to performance end up being really bad for us. Besides sugar, another example of that is sodium, right? Like you consume too much salt and you're sedentary and you can get sodium related hypertension, which is really bad for your heart. But when you're an athlete, you're losing a lot of salt for, for, for every liter of sweat that you lose. And so your sodium needs are going to be far different than somebody who's not active. Yeah. And I think what was, what's great about that one and the other ones is that I I almost want to call you captain obvious, but as a society, you know, companies have thrown different stuff at us but you know the best one for you like the one that you did how to recover yeah eat good food and sleep i'm like yeah really okay (laughs) that's it (laughs) yeah the the whole ask allen series could be called no shit sherlock right and 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 sometimes i feel almost embarrassed to have to like state the obvious but you have to start there. And then once you have that common sense down, you can start to talk about the nuance of performance, right? And the different strategies that might help uh, individual, right? No, but it goes back to your roots. It goes back yeah. to the roots of not only what Scratch Labs is and the products you guys put out, but also you on the, with the pro teams, it's just eat simple foods that's going to make you feel good. 
ah, yeah. what a concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, I think the reason why the intro of Feed Zone Table, our last cookbook was so long was because it took me a long time to state the obvious that it's not just also about chemical fuel. It's also about social fuel. Mm-hmm. And in so much that human beings crave a sense of belonging more than anything in the world, when we become disconnected from the people we love and care for, when we don't have a community, um, we really start to fall apart. And I saw a lot of athletes who became so obsessed about their training and their diet that they started to train and eat in exclusion to others, right? That meaning they would, they would self-isolate and their obsession around food for performance and training for performance uh, made them disconnect from the people who, who loved and cared for them. And that's incredibly destructive, right? Yeah, it's the whole notion, food for fuel versus food for something else. Um, yeah, food for community, food for belonging, food for human connection, right? Uh, you got to nourish you got to nourish the body, but you'll, you also have to nourish the relationships that give us a reason to have a body. Awesome. Alan, listen, I truly appreciate you coming on my show and being open and honest. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. And um, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm blunt, if anything. That's why that's why I was so excited when when this was hooked up for me. So thank you so much. So it's You're the welcome. Ask Alan show is on YouTube and then people could follow you at Alan Scratch or at Scratch Labs, both on Instagram. That's right. That's right. And don't be alarmed. I'm just trying to have some fun. Oh, that's a, Hey, it's a short time we have on this planet. So let's, let's at least enjoy ourselves and, that's eat, good, right. and eat good food. That's right. And, and sweat our asses off. So enjoy. Awesome. Alan. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it. My conversation with Dr. Alan Lim of Scratch Labs. Fun conversation. A lot of insight. I appreciate him coming on. Just a lot of great information about his uh, journey, his thought process of building Scratch Labs, where they came from, where they're going, what they're doing now. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. And again, if you're interested in their products, they're pretty easy to find. Scratchlabs.com or at Scratch Labs on Instagram. And as a Scratch ambassador, I truly um, am a big advocate of their products. Wouldn't become an ambassador unless um, I didn't like what what they're doing. So if you have any questions about their products, I'd be happy to, to talk more in detail. So just DM me. You know how to find me on Instagram jmac underscore tries that's all i have for you today until next time talk soon